Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Let's begin by uh, simply revisiting a verse that I briefly mentioned towards the end of last week's message. And this verse comes from uh, a sermon that the Apostle Paul shared with a group of philosophers in the city of Athens. And so if you can, uh, please look at the screen with me and let's see what Paul said in Acts 17, verse 26. It says, from one man, Adam, it says, God made every man and woman and every race of humanity. In other words, red, yellow, black, and white, man, we all came from the first man that was ever, uh, you know, that ever lived, and that was Adam, right? And so then Paul goes on to say this. He says, and God spread us, they spread the human race over all the earth, that he sets the boundaries of people and nations. Now grab a hold of this next part determining their pre-appointed, as one translation says, but determining their appointed times in history. I want to say that again. Determining their appointed times in history. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when you hear that verse, but a few things that come to my mind uh, are the following. So for starters, I believe this verse shows us that it doesn't really matter uh, what the situation or what the circumstance looked like when we entered into this world. If it was a positive circumstance or a negative circumstance, at the end of the day, we got to realize that we are not here by accident. Amen. Which means this, that if our parents were, you know, the picture perfect couple or if they were an absolute train wreck, you know, if they were making all the right choices or if they couldn't hit the broad side of a bar morally, it has no bearing on the truth that we find here in Acts 17 and also what we see in Psalms 139. I know you just saw in the video, but I want to read it again because I want us to make it personal for ourselves. It says this, it says, For God created my inmost being, that you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Grab a hold of that, church. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And then it says in verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to actually sit back and begin to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. It's an incredible passage. Amen? Amen. So listen, with that in mind, I just want to say this. If there's anybody in here today, and this may be one person, maybe five people, but listen, if there's anybody in here today that is somewhere along the line, believe the lie, and you have mentally and you've emotionally carried something opposite of that truth of what we see in that portion of Scripture, that you were unwanted, that you were rejected, that you were abandoned, you weren't wanted, I just say to you today, man, as the family of God, in the name of Jesus, we break that lie off of you. Amen? Listen, I want you to understand today that you are not here by accident, that you were created by God on purpose and for a purpose for his sake. Amen. So listen, to some of y'all go, oh, I got that. But I want you to realize when you are living and you believe that lie, it's really hard to, you know, to, uh, how can I say it, to hop over that gap, that great divide and go, you know what, God has a purpose for my life. If I don't feel like that somebody around me that was supposed to love me gave me a purpose, then how in the world is God going to give me one? I want you to know if you believe that, man, that's a lie. Grab a hold of it. God has a purpose for you. Amen? Amen. Amen. That you are his beloved. 
So listen, in addition to that, Acts 17, 26 also shows us this. That God in His infinite wisdom predetermined before time began when and where we would be born. Now, I don't know what that is for you, but for me personally, that was 1978. Help me, Jesus. Birmingham, Alabama. Yes, the great state of Alabama. I'll give you a roll tie because we just won the national championship. <laughs> says this. It says, now if we can take, basically, if we could take this thought a step further, I believe this means this. That, that God actually predetermined that we would be alive in this exact moment of time, 2021. And not only that, that we'd be living in this exact geographical le- uh, location in Midcoast, Maine for His divine purpose. You see, so often I run into people, and, and when it comes to this subject of geographical location, of they think of why they live where they live, it's pretty funny to see all the things that come up. You know, most people just simply say this, well, I grew up here. Right? I was born in Rockland. I was born in Rockport. I'm from Camden. I'm from Lincolnville. Whatever. I'm from here. That's why I'm here. And then there's those other people that you run into that are a little older. They say, look, it came time for me to retire. And I was basically in a city or somewhere. And I was going at it all the time. And I realized, man, I want to go live somewhere where it's beautiful and it's safe. So we landed here. It's a great place for that. Yes? So, so, or they say like this, and there's a bitterness in this. They say, I'm here because this happened to my family or because that happened to my life, and now I'm stuck here because of that. Or something along this line. They say, well, the reason I came here because, you know, uh, I met so-and-so, and we fell in love, and we got married, and they were from here, so that's why we moved here, right? Or it goes like this. They say this, well, you know, we were living life, and an opportunity arose and, you know, that came up and we just thought, man, that's a, that's a great opportunity. So we, key word there, we made the decision and those decisions brought us here. Now, listen, while all of that may be true to some form or fashion, I want you to know at the end of the day, man, the point and the reason that you're here is because God brought you here. Not only here in this geographical location, but also if you are a part of this church family, it's because God brought you here. So the point is today is whatever you do, man, please don't miss the hand of God on your life, not even for a second. Because I think if we're willing to, you know, kind of back up for a moment, begin to look at our lives, the good and even the bad, we'll see the fingerprints of God all over our lives. Amen. And I think that those fingerprints should prove to us that what? That God has never left us and that he is the one once again who has brought us where we are currently at today. So if you're here today and you're unsettled, I just want you to know, man, whatever you may think, whatever you may feel about where you're at, the bottom line is the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man and a righteous woman are ordered by God. So be at peace where you're at. Amen. So listen, I, I kind of bring up those two. Those are kind of extra, but here's the heart of really what I want to get to today. Because I think if we take this idea that we're not an accident, that we were born when we were born and where we were at, it'll bring us really here if, we, if we're willing to, how can I say this? If we're willing to maybe step back for a moment, remove all the clutter from our lives, if we're willing for a second to, uh, you know, all the hustle and the bustle and the busyness of our lives, and actually begin to look at ourselves through the lens of Acts 17:26 for a moment. Let me say this. So often we look at our lives by what our name is, clothes we have, car we drive, house we we live in, uh, you you know, whatever, what we do for a living. All those things kind of take up residence in our head of who we think we are. But what if we actually begin to look at ourselves through this scripture for a moment as our lens in Acts 17, 26? If we did, I I believe we would understand this, is that... God in His infinite wisdom, somehow, someway, He's God, we're not, surveyed time. 
right? That he literally surveyed eternity's past to eternity's future. We know he knows the end from the beginning. And in that infinite wisdom that he has, that he, guess what? That he deliberately chose and intentionally placed each one of us on that prophetic timeline and in his church's history where he saw fit, right? Like he surveyed there, Right, And if we can understand for a moment that on that prophetic timeline it not only contained the moment that we would encounter and experience Him to get born again, but it was also the place that God knew that, guess what, that that is where this person or that person will make the greatest impact for me. In other words, if God wants to make an impact 300 years ago, He'd have less been born then. But He chose today because He knows that we have something in us that brings something to this generation that they don't have. So I just think this, man, for a moment. When it comes to this prophetic timeline, if we can imagine uh, that it resembles almost like a relay race. So, for example, I believe if we go to the Bible and we actually use Hebrews chapter 11 as our starting line, that we would find this, that there's this man named Abraham, uh, the father of the faith is what the Bible says, that we'll find that he actually passed the faith, right, and passed his mission on to his son Isaac, who, guess what, then passed it on to his son Jacob, who then passed it on to Joseph, and what became the 12 tribes of Israel, who then passed it on to Moses, who then in turn passed the faith and the mission on to Joshua, who we know that Rahab was part of his story. Then it passed again to Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, and then fast forward one more time, and guess what we find? We find that the prophet Samuel and King David, we find that they're the ones carrying the baton in their generation. And what I'm trying to say is that's Hebrews 11, right? But if we keep moving forward in that timeline, we find this. We find that there's other men that are carrying the faith and carrying the mission. They were known as the prophets. It's guys like Isaiah, Jeremiah, Haggai, right? And you keep moving forward hundreds of years and you come in this relay race and you land on the scripture in Galatians chapter 4. It says this. It says, but when the set time had fully come. In other words, when it came to that certain point in the prophetic timeline, guess what happened? There, God sent His Son, Jesus, born of a woman. Amen? Listen, we know what happened next. After Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, He passed on the faith and the great commission onto His disciples. And church history says that those disciples in turn started discipling others and they passed on the faith and they passed on the great commission to men like Polycarp and Augustine. Y'all hang with me here because this is important. If you fast forward again hundreds of years, you come to 1300s. And it's there we find this man named John Wycliffe that every one of us need to be very grateful for, even though we may not have ever even heard his name. But that's the guy who, as he was carrying out the mission, guess what? He did so by completing the first complete translation of the Bible in the English language so you and I could read it. Hallelujah, right? And then as the baton is passed again, guess what? We begin to see in God's prophetic timeline these things called distinct, I'll call them advancements, begin to happen in the kingdom of God with guys like Martin Luther, who, who God used to basically bring about the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s. In other words, that's when the revelation came to the body of Christ that we're saved by faith, right? And it's the grace, not by works. Aren't you glad for that? Right? And then we find that... Basically, that there happened in the 1500s, but then it passed on to the great soul winners like George Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Wesley, and, and, uh, and Charles Finney. And those guys, guess what? Actually, their, their realm of influence was in the, in the geographical location we live in, right? 
And then you understand that that happened in the 1700s, who then, guess what, that they passed it on to Spurgeon and Moody in the 1800s. And at that point, it would appear like these advancements, if you will, these revelations actually sped up at an even more rapid pace when it came to the 1900s. Now, this is key, okay? Because I want you to understand that it seemed like that these things kind of went methodically for a while, and there was these explosions that would happen. But when you really hit 1900, it was like things went nuts in a good way. And here's why, because at the turn of the century, you begin to see great revivalists like a guy named Evan Roberts. And then you find a revivalist like Duncan Campbell come to the forefront. And then we begin to see this great German theologian named Dietrich Bonhoeffer and the late Corey Tim Boone, who came from Holland, whose lives and writings have had an incredible impact on the foundation or the formation of discipleship and Christian character in the modern day church. Watch this. At the same time, we also find the fathers of Pentecost, such as William Seymour and Charles Parham. And then we see people like Smith Wigglesworth, John G. Lake, Mariah Woodworth Edder, uh, you know, Amy Sidney McPherson, and many others being used mightily by God in the healing anointing. And then we see a handoff of sorts that began this thing called the charismatic renewal with people like John Wimber and Chuck Smith. And it's from that, basically that movement, guess what happened? Uh, that renewal, a, a worship movement was launched. A prophetic movement was launched. And then the church began to understand the teachings and revelations of intercession and spiritual warfare that we enjoy and we operate in today. Now listen, names of those ministries that we'd throw out there be like, look, it was Vineyard Worship, right? It was Derek Prince, it was Leonard Ravenhill. Kind of go on and on and on, all right? Now kind of here's my point, okay? I, I fully realize that the extent that you've personally studied church history, that long list of men and women either, uh, you know, means a great deal to you, right? And that's you that are kind of bobbing your head like, yes, yes. And then you other people that I just sounded like Charlie Brown, won't, 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 you know, teacher. I, I realize it probably means very little to you. But, but listen, either way, the main point that I want to make today remains the same. And it's this, is that for you and I, to actually begin to understand the significance of the Bible, uh, sorry, significance of the times we are living in, we need to be aware of our place in church history and how Bible prophecy actually applies to us. I want to say that again. For us to understand the significance of the times we are living in, we need to be aware of our place in church history and how Bible prophecy applies to us. You see, I fear that if we miss this, in other words, if all that is just a bunch of list of names that we really don't care that much about, and what happens is if we miss that, then we're going to lose all sense of hope and all sense of purpose for the current season that we're in. And listen, I don't know about you, church, but I don't want to be one of those believers that just kind of wonders aimlessly because I have no clue how I fit into the grand scheme of things. Okay. Right? God didn't call me to do that. He didn't call you to do that. So with those thoughts in mind, let me give you a few quick thoughts. The first thought I have concerning our place in church history is this, is in spite of how well known all those people in that list are, and in spite of the great things that they've accomplished for the kingdom of heaven, I want us to see today what God actually says about them. And guess what he said? He said this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. He said, all these people were still living in faith when they died. It says they did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. Grab a hold of that. As great as they were, guess what? They only saw things from a distance. And then Jesus actually said this in Matthew 13. 
He said, but blessed are your eyes. Can you make that personal today? Blessed are my eyes because they see, right? And your ears because they hear. I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people longed, grab a hold of that word, longed to see what you see, but they didn't see it. And they longed to hear what you hear, but they didn't hear it. What am I saying? I'm saying this. That every generation of holy people that have come before us, right? That they have longed to live in our day. Come on, church, wake up. I'm being serious. Listen, they longed to see what was our day. And the reason is because they knew what was prophesied about the last days. They realized when they read the word that there was a global outpouring that was coming, that there was literally a harvest of souls for the nations. And they understood that there was a great shaking and turmoil that was coming upon the earth. That what? That would one day culminate and it would lead us what? To the coming back of Jesus. Yes. The, right? The return of Christ. Amen? Yes. And if I could say maybe anything to you today, it was this. It's like, man, when will we believe that? Like we're so fat, dumb, and happy that we have message after message, worship after worship, turn on the TV, podcast, YouTube, that we have all these things and you know what, but guess what? We're just living at the buffet. Right? Like when's the last time we understand that he is coming back? Right? And here's the thing, if there's not urgency in our hearts about him coming back, then guess what? How will we ever have an urgency to go see people saved? See, there's something about when you know Jesus is coming back causes you to get on your face and cry out for souls. Yeah. You, you know, the late Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, have you no wish for others to be saved? Then you are not saved yourself. Be sure of that. Yeah. It is impossible to walk with God and not have a burden for souls. Yeah. Amen? So if we can maybe stop and understand this morning, listen, that, that when we go, you know, our, our fathers and the mothers of the faith, guess what? That they not only, uh, you know, looked at that list that just popped up and, and saw it prophetically, but to understand for a moment, man, they gave their lives for it. They didn't give their lives just come to a comfortable church and hear another message that they don't do anything with. Are you hearing me? I know that's strong, but man, we got to wake up, guys. We got to wake up. See, John Wesley used to get up and he would preach to people. He would say this. He'd tell people, you need to spend and be spent for the cause of Christ. Talk about your life. Spend and be spent for the cause. Give everything you got. Right? That's why Paul said this, I die daily that you might live. Right? So there's this understanding that it doesn't matter what God has called you to do, what arena He's put you in. Are you spending and being spent for the cause of Christ? Is it for His glory or is it for yours? And if it's for yours, you miss the boat. Amen? Amen. Listen, this is why I'm convinced that the writer of Hebrews wrote this in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. It's that relay race we're talking about, right? He says, let us throw off everything that hinders us. Can I pause there for a second? So often we skip over that, we keep reading, and sin that so easily entangles us. Listen, if you're in sin today, repent, get it right with God, move forward. But where I want to say it today is simply this, is man, there's things that hinder us that aren't quote-unquote sin, but they keep us from being who God wants us to be. And they keep us from doing the things that God's called us to do. Yeah. Right? And I'm not going to sit up here and be the Holy Ghost and tell you what those things are, but you should pray, because guess what? I have them and you have them. We all have things that are hindering us from being who God's called us to be. Right? 
So it goes on and it says this. It says, let's throw off everything that hinders us and sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, our leg of the relay race, right? And let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. What am I trying to say to you today? Listen, that there's a finish line, okay? And his name is Jesus, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what path we take to get there. So often we concern ourselves with our feelings and our comfort and all those things and what it takes to get there. All I'm saying is let's just get to Him. Focus your eyes on Jesus. We'll leave the results up to Him. Yeah. Right. Am I making sense? So here's a point that I want to make to you today is I think you and I have a choice, okay? I think we can either sit around and we can feel sorry for ourselves. We can mope, we can pout, we can be all bummed out. Uh, man, we can get angry. We can let fear along with worry and anxiety grip our hearts for everything that we're seeing and all these things, right, that we're hearing. Or we can do this. And this is the right choice is we can actually begin to count ourselves as blessed, because why? Because we potentially have the privilege of living in the days where God's going to pour out His power, His glory, and His Spirit on the face of the earth like no one has ever experienced before. So listen, with that mind, I think today that just maybe, I'm, I'm, I'm pleading with you, that maybe we shift our hearts and shift our minds because it seems like from heaven's perspective, we're not living in, in some awful time, but we may be living in one of the best times in history. Yes, because there's opportunities awaiting us if we cannot just think about ourselves, but actually think about the kingdom. Yeah. Right? So, so listen, if you're having a hard time wrapping your head around this, let me just say this. Uh, encourage you. Go home today. Read Genesis to Revelation. See if you can get it by midnight. Okay? And tell me if there's any verse in there that you find that the kingdom of darkness is greater than our God. See if you can find any verse in there that says God will, will be outdone by the enemy. Guys, it's not in there. And I'm trying to tell you, all of us are moping and pouting and looking and going, man, things are dark. Our God will not be defeated. Amen. Amen. Second thought I want to share with you concerning our place in church history is this. And I'm not sure if we realize this or not, because so often we just, we just live life, right? But, but listen, every time that baton was passed from one person to another, from one generation to the next, there wasn't, get this, just a faith and just a mission being passed on. But, but with that faith and with that mission, there also came this. Every person and every generation in the past began to move along with that baton, if you will, strategies. Methods were handed off. Biblical knowledge was handed off. Uh, experience was handed off, revelation, all that was being passed. Why? Because it was there to help advance the kingdom of God forward in a greater way than what the previous generation got. If you can understand it this way, some of you guys are builders in here. You, in other words, it's foundation upon foundation upon foundation, right? In other words, it's not like, oh, we go there, now we dig it up and try to do it over again. Right. In other words, this, let me give it to you this way. Uh, I like watching the Olympics. Right. It's cool. I love a good competition. And, uh, you know, if you go watch, say, the four by 100 relay race or whatever, you see them running and you see them get to that thing called the handoff zone where they take the baton and they mainly pass it. And the other guy in front of them does it like this. Right. You, you know, I have never in my life been, you know, watching a relay race, see somebody grab it and see them take a few steps and stop and then run backwards. And then get to where they started and then go again. But we act like that's what we got to do. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm there and my responsibility is to make sure I'm ready. 
right? And to make sure that, guess what, when I grab that baton, I don't drop it. I'm trying to tell you today, I think we're in a handoff zone where God's wanting to do something greater than what He's done in the past if we're willing to grab a hold of it. But we got a responsibility to make sure we don't drop it. Yes? In other words, let, let me say it this way. You can only go so long on the prayers of the previous generation. Right? At some point, you need to begin to carry yourself, and you need to begin to pray, and you need to begin to run the race. Amen? Amen. So listen, one theologian described the importance of this baton passing in this way when he said this. He said, the restoration of truth throughout the ages is progressive. I think we get that. In other words, right, the guy translated the Bible. We enjoy it. Martin Luther, right, saved by faith. Thank God for that, right? In other words, people started coming. Well, healing is a real thing. Prophecy is a real thing. And so we get to endure that. They were the pioneers, and we get to enjoy that. So in other words, it was progressive. But then to understand this, he says, Each movement in church history has restored something important that we will need to remember in order to fulfill our destiny. Once again, we don't have to start over the race. We have to take what they got and go, okay, let me apply that to my life so we can do what God's called us to do in our generation. Am I making sense? I just think this should tell us this, that each generation has passed before us. It's been like a snowball effect, that there's an increase of inheritance, that there's a building of knowledge, that there's an expanding of revelation that we're going to need if we're going to prepare a modern-day wineskin for the glory that so many people say that God wants to bring in this generation. Right? I don't know about you, but I want to prepare a wineskin with holes in it because I don't have the character Right? We don't want to do that, right? All right, so it leads me to the third and the last thought I want to share with you concerning our place. So, listen, I think the times we're heading into, I think they're going to resemble a two-sided coin, okay? I'm not a gloom and doom guy, but I think it's a two-sided coin. On one side, like we've been saying for the past couple of weeks, I believe there's going to be a shaking and a turmoil uh, in judgment, okay? I think that's one side of the coin. While on the other side of the coin, I think it will be marked by glory and harvest, Y'all, please hear me, church. Glory and harvest. Here's why I'm saying that. I think there's a two-sided coin that we're going to encounter, both sides of it. Look at Haggai with me, if you can. Chapter 2, verse 6 to 9. It says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more it is a little while I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. Do y'all know who the desire of all nations is? It's Jesus. That's a name given to him, that he is the desire of all nations. He's prophesying that all people of all nations, right, are going to come to him, right? We said that earlier. And then he said this, not only will that shaking happening, but watch the next part. And I will fill this temple with what? Glory, says the Lord of hosts. And he says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter temple shall be greater than the former. In other words, the glory, the future glory of the church will be greater than that of the past. So let me say this to you guys that have studied church history. You know, I go back and I read guys like Wigglesworth and I read John G. Lake. I, I, I sat at my kitchen table and cried like an absolute little girl the other day because I was reading about the Hebrides revival with Duncan Campbell. And to understand that, guess what, that that was what God did in their day, but he's wanting to do something greater in ours. And so I don't need to say in my mind, well, we want to go back to that. No, 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 no. God has something different with more power for us if we're willing to step into it. Amen. Do you believe that? And then he simply says this, says, And in this place I will give peace, says the Lord. We could use some of that. 
And then it says in Isaiah 61 and 3, same, same kind of idea here. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. We get that. And it says this, it says, but the Lord. Don't you like a good but in the scripture? It says, but the Lord rises upon you, and His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. See, guys, I believe it's because of those two verses and a whole lot more like them that in the midst of all this darkness, right, that's kind of closing in around us, I think we're going to experience the glory of God. I'm saying that repeatedly on purpose because I'm wanting us to get it. But because to me, it looks like that when I read the Bible, that every time God begins to shake things, that it, that it provides an opportunity for a greater measure of glory to come to His people and to His church if, everybody say if. Because listen, it all hinges on that one word. If we are willing to come into agreement with Him. Amen. If we don't come in agreement with Him, guess what? It'll pass us by. Right? So listen, as we prepare to close this morning, let me bring this thing full circle. I want to say this, if I can kind of crunch all this together. When we begin to discover where we are personally in church history, in God's prophetic timeline, not everybody else, but where we fit, Right? I believe it will power us to wake up from our spiritual slumber. And I'm here to tell you today, man, there's large portions of the church that need to wake up from their slumber. Yes. Amen? And what happens is, is not only let us wake up, but we'll actually begin to remember our lives hold a significant purpose in the advancement of His kingdom in our generation. Please believe that. So listen, today as I stand here and tell you that, look, that yes, you're not an accident. There's a purpose. God put you here. He's anointed you. He's empowered you to do some credible things for Him because this thing is moving forward. The, the kingdom of God is unstoppable. Yeah. Okay? It doesn't stop, right? So, so hear me say this today. Listen, for you and I, it really doesn't matter if our names ever echo down the halls and the corridors of human history or not. In other words, well, it doesn't matter if people look back and go, oh, that, that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so and they did this. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is are we known there? Right? And I just think this, when you worry about if you can be known there or not here, then it doesn't matter your strengths or your weaknesses. It doesn't matter your gifts or talents. It doesn't really matter the arena that God has called you to. But what you do is you got to rest assured in your own heart that guess what? That God never created me to be a bystander in His story. Right? And because I realized I wasn't called to be a bystander, that means I'm going to get in the game. Amen? Amen. Let me, give you, let me give you a verse that I'm believing for us today. And we're going to pray into this verse in a second. But it says this in 1 Chronicles 12.32. It says, From the tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribe with their relatives. And it says, All these men, those 200 leaders, understood what? The signs of the time. I hope we're understanding the signs of the time. But guess what? That's not all of it. Because it's easy to say, Oh, there's evil. Duh. <laughs> right? Like, way to go, Sherlock. <laughs> right? But it's this next part. It's this. Now, all these men understood the signs of the time and knew the best course for Israel to take. Yes. That's what we need. It's not just to know what's happening. But God, how do you want us to move forward? Yes. Right? Like, like, God, where are we moving as an army? Are you saying go right? Are you saying go left? Are you saying to advance at this speed or that speed? God, how do you want us to advance? Right? What's the tactics in hand? And listen, all I'm saying is, is this. There's an invitation that's really going out to you today. And I'm asking you this, that look, I don't know what the next few weeks, I don't know what the next few months or even years have in store for us. But I do know if we're willing to go all in with Jesus. Yes. 
right? If we as a church, as a, as a group of brothers and sisters in the Lord are willing to go all in, right? Then guess what will happen? Then I think God will not only change our lives dramatically, but he'll begin to show us that strategy and that plan and how to move forward. And we'll actually help advance the kingdom in this region other than just living another hundred years and it is what it is. Right? And so, listen, the reason we as leadership come and go, hey, we're going to have nights of worship. The reason we're going to say we're going to have nights of prayer, right? We're going to gather. We're going to believe God for hours and just believe. The reason we do cultivate, the reason we do Sunday and all of that is so we can equip you, right, to go do what we're talking about today. So I would encourage you, instead of just sitting back and going, well, I'm good, just rolling the Sundays. No, 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 no. What can you do to get equipped so you can be more effective in this generation? Like, take that serious, right? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Father, I pray, God, that they would hear every bit of this and not just as uh, some, some country boy from Alabama beating them up. But, Lord, I pray that they would hear your heart in this. God, that, there's, uh, that there is definitely an urgency in the air. There's an urgency in the air for your church to wake up and for your church to find their place with you and in church history and in the prophetic timeline. And so, God, I just ask, Lord, if any of us are slumbering today, God, that we would wake up, God, and we would step into the identity that you've called us to. And, Lord, we would begin to prepare ourselves as an army would prepare for war. And, Lord, I ask today, God, that every single piece that we need to be effective in this hour, God, that you would give it to us. And so, Lord, we lean our hearts into you. And, Lord, yes, we want to know the signs of the time, but, God, we're asking, God, that you would give us strategy. And, Lord, we just say, God, on that as a final note, Lord, we're willing to go all in with you. God, we're willing to go all in. God, if we've never given you our lives, here's our lives. God, if we're backslidden, here's our lives. God, if we've been running hard, God, give us more energy and more strength and more endurance to keep running. And so, Lord, today, I just simply bless your people, and I just simply ask, God, that you would help us. You would help us as a church do what you've called us to do in this region. And, Lord, I I don't believe for a second it's just to sit back and be passive. And so, Lord, would you show us what to do? God, our hearts and our lives are yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.